This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, the Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Arnold Woods and I'm joined as always by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? Um, not a whole lot, you know, just coming off of the 4th of July holiday, every, you know, Monday holiday, it feels like every Monday off. It's like, oh my God, I'm back at work. Um, and I'm also just very shocked by who won the Stanley cup. I don't know if you followed that, but Tampa Bay beat the Canadians and it's just very, it's very strange. It's very funny. I was telling a friend over the 4th of July weekend, I'm like, oh, like, the Stanley Cup final is Tampa Bay versus the Montreal Canadiens. And my friend roasted the Canadians. She's like, they don't deserve to win if they can't beat Tampa Bay. Like, all Canadian people do is play hockey. And why did they spell Canadians weird? So um, that's my sports update for the <laughs> week. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is this is what people outside of sports think of sports. Oh, my God, it seems insane. I think that I had seen that Tampa Bay had won, but I didn't, I don't, I think I just saw that today. So I, when I was in middle school, I think they won the Stanley cup, maybe middle school or high school. I can't remember. Um, they had Martin St. Louis on that team. I remember that he was the goalie. That's all I know. That's all I got. That's, 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 that's the hockey knowledge that I have to drop. That's it. So the, we're recording this right now in game. Um, Game two of the uh, of the NBA Finals is on right now, and it's so weird that it's like July and the finals are happening. I don't know; it's weird. I mean, it was kind of the same last year too with the bubble, but yeah. things are more back to normal than they used to be. So the season was shortened, but it was only shortened by ten games. So it was somewhat of a normal season, relatively speaking. I mean, again, comparative to last year, but it's still like I think it's still throwing me off for it to be like after the Fourth of July and the finals are going on. That's kind of weird. Do you feel that way too? Yeah, it feels really weird to be watching basketball and I feel like in the NBA finals and like Emily and I, when we talk about the NBA, we're like, yeah, like, so it's still happening. And like, oh, it's really sad that we don't have basketball again until like October. But like we have the Olympics now this month and talking about like the NBA finals and just talking about like the playoffs in general. It's like, oh, yeah, you expect the the playoffs to kind of wrap up mid to end of June and so now that it's like July and it's happening, it's like, oh man, like the finals are going to wrap up and then we're going to be like, at the, it'll be time for the Olympics. And so there's like no real sports break, I feel, as a result. It's really weird. That's true. I don't know. And then they're talking about a state of emergency for Tokyo yeah. and. They're not going to have fans and stuff, so it'll be, I don't know, that the Olympics themselves will be, I mean, everything is, we're, we're living in crazy times right now, so everything is going to be wild, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to, to see how that goes. I'm, um, I don't know, that's, it's just so outside, of, I mean, it's already outside of the norm because you were supposed to have it last year and it didn't happen, so I don't know, who, who the hell knows what's going to happen. I mean, the Olympics, I feel, are going to happen because it would be an insurance nightmare and so much money would be lost. And, like, I say this while understanding that money is not everything. Like, people's lives are way more important. However, these corporations that are, like, pumping money into this are not going to let the Olympics get moved. Like, it wouldn't have gotten moved again. It would have gotten, like, fully canceled. So, like, that's not about to happen. So it makes sense that they're, like, no fans. And, like, we're kind of used to this. Like, we did this last year when it came to watching sports. Like, the no fans in the stands, athletes, like, are kind of used to it. And probably with just, like, competing in the last couple months, they're just like, all right, well, it's not the way it used to be. 
Um, it is like very odd to me that like Japan, because I think of Japan as like a very put together country. I don't know how else to like say that, but I think that about Canada and they're having issues with vaccinating people. And so it's just, man, it's odd, but yeah, the Olympics, I don't see them getting canceled. We were talking about that in my group chat today, actually. Um, Just surprising because yeah, I agree. Japan is kind of viewed as this like technology forward country. And so, you know, really innovative, like cutting edge on, you know, infrastructure and things like that. So for them to, have the vaccination issues that they're having is a surprise. And I'm just hoping that the U that the U S is sending vaccines to them and also like releasing that the patent or whatever, like nonsensical thing is like keeping other countries from developing vaccines in their, in their own countries. Like that's absurd. Like we need it as many places as possible as, as far reaching as possible. So um, yeah, definitely agree with that. We are here to um, tonight this morning, today, whenever you're listening to this podcast to talk about Star Wars. We're into it. We're 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 talking before we started recording about, you know, me being deep into the 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 nerd culture right now. I'm doing Star Wars, I'm doing Harry Potter as a you know gift to myself, a little graduation present to myself. But uh this focus is is Star Wars. So the original trilogy. And I think after this we might do are we gonna do like the prequels and the and the sequel trilogy too, or what do you what do you, yeah. what are you what are we thinking? The prequels, the sequels, and then the good show that Disney Plus gave us that is the Mandalorian. Facts, facts. Got to get, yeah, got to dig into so Mando good. a little it's bit. So good. Yeah. Oof. We gotta, you know, we gotta, we got a lot to get through with the with the original trilogy, though. Um, you know, this is it's iconic. Started with started with Star Wars in 1977. I guess right off the top, I wanted to ask you. I think that we have some similar questions here to ask each other. But like, how are you introduced to the original trilogy? Obviously, the the original one, the first movie came out uh, 12 years before I was born. Um, uh, so don't laugh at me. See that? <laughs> I mean, no, it came out like way before either of us were born. Like, my mom was six years yeah. old when this movie came out. See, I have old parents, so like my parents were already like adults when this came out. Uh yeah. Well, my mom is like young. My I think my dad, my stepfather, they were like young adults when it came out. They were not old either. So oh. it's it's a little mm-hmm. bit different for our parents when they saw it. Did your parents go see it? I don't think so. Um I do not. They're like not really big sci-fi people, which is weird because like there is a movie. I don't know if I mentioned this on a podcast or not before, but there is a movie called Contact that came out when I was a kid. It came out in 97, I think. And I remember going to the theater and seeing that with them. And Contact is it starred um, Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. And that's a very like sci-fi movie. Like it's about making contact with aliens and like how the world like deals with that basically it's a pretty like straightforward sci-fi movie and i remember going to see that with them and like thinking back on it now i'm like that is not the type of movie that they're usually into so that was weird but i'm pretty sure they did not see star wars um when it came out um but for people like us people of our generation like we had to be introduced to it um in a way because like the it was still a phenomenon but like the, the biggest part of it happened before we were born so like how did how how were you introduced to it uh, I would, I like watched it when I was a kid with my parents. Like, um, there's like a handful of movies I'm learning in my adulthood. That there's so many movies I have not seen, but there are like I've seen Star Wars, I've seen Indiana Jones, I've seen uh, Romancing the Stone and Top Gun. I've seen a lot of good movies out of the late '70s and the '80s, but um, and like that's what I would watch. So this, so Star Wars, we would just like watch that. We would just like have a movie night and watch Star Wars like pretty regularly. Um, and I think the first time I watched A New Hope, I'd have been like five years old. Like it, it's a movie that like I grew up with um, because my mom and my stepfather like definitely into sci-fi movies and they're definitely nerds. So though those were just movies and like that were just easy for us to watch as like a family. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I saw them. And then when all of the other movies came out, it was like, it was exciting. I think 
because the prequels came out when I was still pretty young. Mm-hmm. Like I would have been in elementary school and I didn't know that they were not that good, but now I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> these <laughs> movies are not that good. And that's saying something. Cause I enjoy a lot of very bad movies. Um, I'm just like, wow, why are these like written so poorly? And like the original trilogy there, there's dialogue that you like, you hear it and you cringe a little bit. You're like, who wrote this? Um, and poor George Lucas, he was just trying to give us a fun story and he's just, he just doesn't have it. So yeah, that's, I even appreciate the original trilogy even more because even though the dialogue's a little not great, at least it's more fun than the prequels. I don't know if fun is even the right word. They're just better. Um, how were you introduced to the original trilogy? So I remember the like the 20th anniversary of it was in 97 like the 20th anniversary of the first star wars coming out and i remember it like coming out like vhs like box set like that being a big deal and um i think that i just you know it's it's such a part of pop culture that i was like aware of what it was but i know for a fact i didn't sit and watch the movies for a long time probably like in the middle school maybe um the first one, at least. I think that I watched the first one on TV probably in middle school. And the first time that I actually sat down and watched the entire series, I watched it on Blu-ray because uh, my roommate at the time had it. Um, he, like, got the, the Blu-ray set of, like, all um, six movies up to that point. Because this is before the – this is before 2015, before um, Force Awakens came out. So I watched those. I was probably like 22 um, when that 22 or 23. And I watched them all on Blu-ray and was able to kind of just fill in the gaps of what I, you know, I'd seen, I'd seen bits and pieces of all of them. I think at that point, the only one I had sat down and, and sat and watched all the way through was the first Star Wars movie. Um, and I'd seen bits and pieces of Empire and Return of the Jedi. But like that was the first time that I actually sat down and watched all of them all the way through. And so I just did it because I knew that, you know, my roommate had the Blu-rays and I was like, okay, this is something that I want to kind of participate in. I did something similar to that last year, um, even into this year, but during the pandemic, I wanted to go back kind of like what you were saying, right? And like, I wanted to go back and watch a bunch of old movies that I'd never seen before. So that kind of, that in that spirit is how I did it. You You know, I guess that would have been 10 years ago now when I've, like first sat down and and watched it. I wanted to be able to participate in these conversations from uh, a perspective of someone who's actually seen the movies like everyone else. Cause I think that in, in, in big pop culture, things like this, like star Wars, the Godfather or whatever like that, like you generally know the story, but you can, if, if you haven't actually seen it, you can still get away with participating in conversations about it because it's so big, because There's so much of it that's so well known, um, but I wanted to kind of dig in for myself and and watch it. And it was pretty dope. It was pretty. It was a cool experience. It was fun to actually like sit down and watch everything. And to your point about the prequels, like the first prequel came out when I was ten, and I remember going to the movie theater to see it, um, Phantom Menace. So, like you said, you know, you when you're that age, any movie is good. Yep. And it wasn't until I was, you know, a little older. I remember watching it again when I was, you know, when I was doing that, that exercise of watching all the movies and I was just like, damn, this is not a good movie. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty rough, but yeah, it, it was good. It was a good experience. It was fun. Um, I don't know. Like it's, it's such a, like pop culture wise, I, it's, it's, it's so a part of our lives, right? It's a part yeah. of our, a part of like the fabric of, 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 of American pop culture, certainly. And then, you know, the world at large, I guess, which is pretty, pretty crazy to think about that, you know, that movie that came out in the seventies is, is still so such a big part of what we're talking about today. It is. And it, it's really interesting how it has had such an impact. I think of it kind of like Harry Potter, where it's just like for a lot of generations, like it, it spans so many generations of people who've like seen it and engage with it and get it. Um, 
and I there are other pop culture like there are other movies or books or whatever that like people globally have like engaged with across various generations but Star Wars is one of the things that like it's older like I mean the first movie came out in 1977 so like there are kids who are like five years old now who are like yeah I'm just like like I like Star Wars I love Star Wars and you're just like man this movie held up like I think a lot of movies from you know, before all the graphics were really awesome, they don't necessarily hold up great. Like they look super campy and like Star Wars does have times where it looks super campy. Like I'm not saying that it doesn't, but like you don't watch Star Wars and think, man, this is so bad. I can't sit and watch this. Like the graphics aren't that great. Like it was, it was a big deal at the time. And like, even now it's like, oh yeah, like it's not terrible. Well, I think that's part of the reason why it's it stayed so much, which is exactly what you're talking about. And we'll get into like we we'll probably get into like various plot points. Oh, yeah. Um so spo- spoiler if you've never seen Star Wars or don't. If you, you know, haven't seen Star Wars, like you know. what is wrong with like the only people who haven't seen <laughs> Star Wars at this point are the people who are in Star Wars. I was telling someone I was watching it to you know, talk about Star Wars on the podcast. Not that like the original trilogy is a group of movies I truly need to like rewatch and be like, Oh, what's that? Like a, we all know what happens. And they were like, have you never seen star Wars? I'm like, who has never seen star Wars at this point? Like you can't not see star Wars. Disney bought star Wars so that everyone will watch star Wars and Disney makes more money. Like Facts. we have all seen it at this point. Like we have to, it's like mandated as an American. And again, even if you haven't like sat down and watched all of them, like you know what's you know what happens, right? Yes. Like you know you know that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Like we don't have to. That's not a spoiler at this point. No. Like that's literally the biggest twist in film history. It's the most famous twist in film history, which I want to talk about a little bit later. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like to your point about it, you know the the technology and how it looks. I think that you know it w- it was kind of a game changer, mm-hmm. like in terms of building this universe and um, you know, they're shooting in the middle East and it's, you know, it's they're creating these new worlds, literally like these new planets. And it was so like immersive. And I just don't think that that type of thing had been seen in movies on that scale before. Like I'm sure that they had like TV shows and, and stuff with, you know, there's space shows or whatever. Um, but yeah. like the like the epic space opera-ness of it on that scale and the world building had just never really happened before. And I think that especially now, and and I, I see in the outline that you, you want to have kind of like the Marvel conversation with this, but like every franchise, blockbuster franchise has been chasing that since yeah. Star Wars. Like everyone has been chasing that world building you know, never before seen captures the zeitgeist, um, super fandom, super impact on the culture, you know, movie or movie series since Star Wars happened. And, and it's been really influential in that way, I think. I agree with that. And I, it's, and it's interesting that like, so, you know, George Lucas builds this world. And it's not even that Star Wars was, like, an original idea. Like, he based it off of Dune. And if... I mean, Dune is, like, fairly popular, but Star Wars way, like, on another planet than Dune in terms of, like, the popularity and, like, who's seen it. And I'm sure, like, with that Dune movie that's coming out, like, that might... It won't change it. Like, it's nothing else has, like, gotten this. And I think that Star Wars is, like, one of those things. It was the right place at the right time. I'm not sure if it's anything that's, like, actually groundbreaking. Um, Like, building, like, another world. Like, Star Trek came out before Star Wars. But the technology for, like, the filming of it was not the same level. So it's, like, kind of campy. And it's had staying power. Like, there are multiple like spinoffs of Star Trek. I don't know if it's considered a spinoff, but different iterations of it. And it's still not quite the same. And I'm sure it's, you know, when you look at the valuation of billions of dollars to most of us, it's just like a lot of money, like no matter what, but it's still not, it's not the same as Star Wars where it's had this success and not just with like the movies, but like, even if the 
prequels and sequels hadn't been made to the original trilogy, there is like this whole world that like George Lucas didn't even have to like be part of the building of this with the books and the TV series and all these different things that have come out of it. And like, yeah, I think, I think about Marvel, like Marvel was the only thing I could think of where I was like, okay, there's like a lot of movies. They've built this world. They're doing the TV series, but like, I don't know if fans are necessarily based off of like the timing of when all of the Marvel movies started coming out. Like there aren't people just like writing books that came after this. Like, yes, all Marvel movies are based on the comics that existed before the movies. So you have those like books and those stories and things are taken from it, but it's not, it's still not the same like level of star Wars. Well, I think that you hit on something that's really interesting in that, you know, in the making of Star Wars, that it pulls from different things. I think that that had an impact on the popularity, too. Like, there are these familiar beats. So you mentioned, like, a, a book like Dune, which was so influential on it, on the story. I also think of, like, the, you know, the Western influence and the samurai movie influence on Star Wars, um, especially Westerns, right? Like, Westerns are pretty popular um, in the 50s and 60s, and so... And, you know, even like the Errol Flynn, like um, that type of thing, you know, action adventure, um, just, you know, taking all these different like strands of DNA and like molding it into something bigger than the sum of all of its parts. And, you know, George Lucas is just really a, a, a genius like world builder in that sense. And people found comfort in that. And they also found it's a, it's the thing where you find comfort in something familiar, but also you're seeing something you've never seen before. And when those two things kind of intersect, when those two things kind of intersect, I think that that's when something really special happens. And, I, and even saying that out loud, I think of a movie like black Panther to go along with what your, your, your Marvel conversation, right? Like black Panther obviously is a really, um, it's late into the Marvel Marvel run relatively speaking, but it was still something that was like familiar, at least, you know, familiar to me as a, as a black person who is, um, you know, I think about the black people in my life who are, who bring like the regalness and the, the, you know, the sense of purpose and, and gravity and like authority and, you know, sense of power in my own life and my own experiences. And then like, you know, historical people, so, uh, and I relate that to people like T'Challa and, you know, everyone, everyone else in that movie. So it's familiar to me in that sense, but it's also something I've never seen before because I've never seen it articulated this way in this environment, in this context where it has, you know, it's a $250 million budget movie um, that's in, you know, 3,000 movie theaters and it makes $2 billion. So it's it's the combining the familiar with the um new and fresh and unexpected and 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 you know wondrous i guess and when you can kind of hit that that kind of harmony i think that that's when something becomes something bigger than a movie and it starts to become a phenomenon i do think that like i guess the mcu now is our star wars like it it kind of has that impact in terms of um you know it's harder now for movies to dominate the culture because there's so much other things taking up space um in our culture. But I think that, you know, the, the MCU is, is the, the closest equivalent of that. Um, and I think of someone, I, I was thinking about this the other day, but I think of a character like Thanos. When I was a kid, I would have never imagined that like the, the comic book character Thanos, who's, you know, he's a pretty big character in Marvel comics or whatever, but he's not like, you know, he's when you're, he's not like the, the first person that you think of when you think of Marvel comics. For me, I would think that generally for people who have like a passing knowledge of Marvel comics pre 2008, right. Pre the movie Iron Man. The first thing you would think about is probably X-Men or Spider-Man or fantastic four. Maybe like that's what you're, when you think of Marvel, you're probably thinking of Wolverine first out of all the Marvel characters. You're thinking of like probably Wolverine is the most famous one. So the fact that like Thanos now, because of the MCU, is like a, he's like a part of pop culture now in the same way that like Luke Skywalker is. It's not the same like level necessarily, but like he's he as a movie character or as a pop culture figure is 
he's like a part of the pop culture movie lexicon. And I just like never um, like, you know, pretty like a mid second tier, maybe high second tier comic book villain has been elevated to the status. And that's because of the MCU. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally, that, that tracks and, um, I, I didn't think about it like that. Of course I didn't read like the comic books. So whenever they're, they bring up characters or anything comes up like, you know, watching Loki and people do a deep dive and they're like, Oh, like this is from this comic book. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm just here for a good time. Not a long time. And, um, (laughs) like seeing Thanos, I'm like, yeah, like that's a, it's a character that just like dominated every, like once, um, those movies came out, he was like, just like a major character people will talk about and it's not just like oh like thanos is a character in a movie but like to become part of like the pop culture conversation where you look at things on like social media and so like memes or on like tiktok and like and and it's like that where it really seeps into the culture more than just like oh we're having like a broad conversation piece about like this character in a movie and we all kind of know who it is but like oh like thanos is going to be a character that like in future TV shows and movies, like people are going to probably reference Thanos if they haven't already. I'm sure they have with like all the people, uh, spoilers for Marvel, I guess. Um, and game's been out for a while. Um, but and like, you know, Thanos disappearing half the people and then, you know, everyone coming back and fighting him. And, and like, that is going to be like a talking point in pop culture. And in like, I, again, in TV shows, like, I think of how Star Wars is in shows and like how I met your mother. Like they talk about Star Wars and Marshall says, Oh, the only people who haven't seen Star Wars are the people who were in it. Cause they lived it. And like, that's going to be like the type of comment that comes up like down the road about Thanos or I don't know. I can't even think of another like character in the MCU that it, that type of comment could just like be casually thrown around. It's pretty wild that like Disney owns both of these franchises. First of all, like that's just pretty absurd, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. Like, so star Wars makes Luke Skywalker a thing. Princess Leia, I think Han Solo, like those are tropes now, right? Because of that. And I think that it's the same with like Iron Man. Right. Iron Man being the first movie that comes out and, you know, becoming also like a, a, a pop culture phenomenon like that. Again, Iron Man is like a B Marvel character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, pre, well, like pre MCU, Iron Man was like, I knew who Iron Man was, but like he was not, again, like it's, it's, and that's, this is, I mean, this isn't an MCU podcast, but like this is, <laughs> That's the that's the genius of MCU is them working with what they had because they didn't have the Marvel Studios didn't have the rights to X-Men or Spider-Man. They didn't have the rights to their biggest characters. So for them to take Iron Man, who was like a lower level hero and like elevate him to the status that he is now, like that's that was just like that's the power of the studio. And I say that in the context of Star Wars, because like that's what it's it's. You know, Star Wars didn't have a foundation before that, right? It it didn't have a. There were no comic. There are comic books now of Star Wars, but like this wasn't established IP. Like this was kind of um, it sprung from the mind of of one guy and and the collection of people around him. So uh, you know, I think about like a couple weeks ago, there was like a Star Wars night on. We were watching baseball. we were watching a, an MLB game and it was like Star Wars night at the MLB game. And there were people dressed up and stuff like that. And like, that's, a, that shows you how big it is in the culture where it's like a, a major league baseball game that has nothing to do with the movie or the movie business or anything like that. Like they have a Star Wars night because that's how popular it is. And I was talking to my wife about it because there's a, a person in the stands there, you know, they cut to the stands and stuff. They show the fans who are dressed up and there was someone dressed up like Yoda. And I asked my wife, I was like, do you know who Yoda is? Like, do you even know? Like, she's like, yeah, I know who it is. I was like, do you even know like what, what is like what movie he's in or like what is she's like? No. 
but I know who it is. And like, that's who I was like, he's not in the first movie. He's actually, you know, he's in the second and the third movie. And like, she's like, Oh, I didn't know that. But she still knows who the character is. And like, that's kind of what star Wars is in a nutshell where she hasn't seen any of the movies, but it's so dominates the culture that she still knows like who the major characters are, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you saying that makes me think of like the Mandalorian where people saw baby Yoda who is not in fact baby Yoda another spoiler sorry folks um (laughs) (laughs) this is just a spoiler podcast just assume it's going to be a spoiler um and and like people didn't have to watch the show like they they saw the Mandalorian they're like oh like that's it I know that that's something from Star Wars I know that that is from either you've seen the prequels or you've seen the original trilogy and you're like yes that is one of the bounty hunters and people just like having that knowledge again, not necessarily having seen the movies, but they're like, yeah, I, I, I know that star Wars. And I know, I, I, if people say like names of characters, if you call someone Chewbacca, like people know that you're saying they're a big walking carpet, I guess. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it, it's pretty impressive again to your point of that just all came out of this guy's head and like the original star wars movie like when it was made so it was just called star wars it wasn't star wars a new hope that was later tacked on because they didn't think there was gonna be another movie right yeah it's pretty pretty amazing to think about or it's just like we'll we'll throw everything in the kitchen sink at this one and, and hope we get you know hope we get a sequel but yeah it's the stuff that gets retconned in because of the success is pretty crazy. Like while you were talking too, I'm, I was thinking about the different references. Like I, I, the different TV shows I've watched that have referenced star Wars offhand. There's a fresh Prince of Bel Air episode where, um, on Viv has the baby Nikki and they're in the delivery room. And Will's like, Oh, he looks like a little black Yoda. Like when the baby's born. And then there's the, there's a scene in the second barbershop movie barbershop two where someone tells another character they look like Chewbacca right like all these like offhand you know you could go down literally like hundreds of TV shows hundreds of other movies have just like referenced Star Wars in in passing and like that's just how pervasive it is it's pretty pretty wild and to think like to your point that you know it could have you know they didn't know it would be successful, right? I think that that's kind of like the the mark of the great ones, where it's just like they didn't know. We didn't know, you know. We we hoped it would, we hoped it would connect with people, but like for it to become what it became, like there's no way they could have anticipated that, right? Like there's no way. No, no, and not to say that like sci-fi movies aren't super popular because obviously people go see them and they're into that and they like fantasy and escapism but like how many major like sci-fi i don't know like either movies or shows are like super mainstream that like people talk about it and like folks who don't even watch that type of content are like yeah i know what that is i know the premise i know all that and like Star Wars is definitely that it's definitely that story. I think of it even to what you're just saying. I think of it like Star Trek. Like Star Trek is a huge deal, right? Like it's a big thing. But to like know really what's like you that's it's it's still kind of niche, right? Like it's still oh, yeah. It's still it, like it's the fans that really know the, a lot about it. Like it's just not as well known as Star Wars is. It's still super well known, but it's not on the level of Star Wars to for it. Like it doesn't permeate pop culture in the way that Star Wars does. And yeah. again, this isn't. Please don't. Please don't write us any nasty tweets about <laughs> you know us slandering Star Trek. We love Star Trek. It's great. I think. Do you like? Are you into Star Trek? Like I couldn't not watch Star Trek. My parents are nerds, but like. Like, as you're saying that where, you know, Star Wars has, like, permeated the culture in general, like, Star Trek people don't necessarily know about all of the different ones. So, they obviously, there's the original Star Trek. People know about, like, Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, all that. But mm-hmm. 
they don't think about like the next generation or deep space nine or Voyager and enterprise like, and then whatever one's on CBS something now, obviously I'm not watching that. I, I'm not going to pay to watch it. Um, <laughs> but like you have all these different ones and then all the different movies that came out before JJ Abrams did Star Trek movies and made them too Star Warsy, according to my parents. My mom okay. was like, no, there's, it's just too much action for it to be Star Trek. And I'm like, I don't know the difference because I don't sit and really pay attention to Star Trek. Um, I like it because, well, Chris Pine's still like super hot, but like also there's a lot <laughs> happening. <laughs> I'm here for the plot. And she's like, yeah, they're fine, but I don't like, they're not really Star Trek. He made them too too much. And so I think a lot of other Star Trek fans felt that way where they're like, what's going on here? And um, so like that also like those recent movies, I think made it into like the mainstream conversation where like the older Star Trek movies might not have because they were not flashy and had, they didn't have Chris Pine. So that kind of took away from it, but it, it was movies that were very much like for those the people who are consuming it as opposed to being a movie that is just a general movie that everyone will go see where it kind of falls into a, um, a franchise where like a lot of people went to go see the fast and the furious movie. Why there are nine of them. I couldn't tell you, but like people are going to go see that because they're like, I just want to see an action movie. And I don't really like care about, um, the overall story of it or like how it's just not like as impactful as star Wars. And that's again, goes back to what makes star Wars kind of special. Um, but you can have like these action movies that come out and they can be, have be like a series and they still people go see them, but they don't have like the same lasting power. And star Trek absolutely just does not have that because it's star Trek. <laughs> It's so interesting that perspective. I've never heard that before, but it makes a lot of sense. I I I think that um I don't know as, as much about Star Trek, obviously. Um I do know that Deep Space Deep Space Nine was the black captain, right? Yeah. So we gotta rock with that. We gotta yeah. rock with Deep Space Nine. Um I remember I just remember it being on when I was a kid in the nineties and I remember seeing commercials for it. Um and I do I think I remember seeing one of the Star Star Trek movies. Um, the one with uh, one of the ones with the next generation cast and Whoopi Goldberg too in there. Shout out to her, LeVar Burton. This is how, it, again, this is, you know, we got to find the black people. That's how yes. I connect to these things. Um, but the perspective of it's too much like Star Wars, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think that J.J. Abrams was like open about like the Star Wars influence on his, especially his first Star Trek movie. Which he, you know, I remember seeing interviews with him where he was like, I grew up more of a Star Wars guy. Um, but like, it, it is very, like, I, I think that Star Trek is known for being more intellectual and being more about, you know, this metaphor for, you know, cooperation between people of differences, different nationalities. Like, that kind of gets transferred into people from different planets, like collaborating and, you know, this optimism for the future and that type of thing. But yeah, Star Wars is definitely more there's I mean there's a little bit of that in Star Wars, but it's mostly like action adventure type things. So that's such yeah. an interesting perspective uh for someone who is a Star Trek fan to see the JJ Ames JJ Abrams version um of the movies and be like, uh, I don't know, this isn't really true to the spirit. That's very interesting to me. It's it I guess it was like a big thing and I I don't remember if I saw Star Trek like in theaters with my parents. If it came out like around the holiday time, probably that would we did that as like a family thing. But um, when I go home and I'm like, oh, I like want to watch one of the Star Trek movies, and they're like, oh my god, please no, don't pick those ones. Um, they're not really Star Trek. <laughs> it it's like it's just very interesting because uh, it's just interesting how people who are like fans of certain things how they view what the remakes are now, where they're like, yeah, no, this isn't true to the old one. And I'm sure plenty of people felt that way about, well, I don't know if they felt it was not true to the old star Wars movies when the, uh, sequel trilogy came out. I think people had other complaints about the plot. Um, but fans, they want what they want. And when expectation does not meet reality, they're like, Ugh, 
they have something to say. And I, I think that is good. I think it's good for the fans to be like, no, this isn't like in the same vein as like the other, like why we started liking this movie or show or book, like this strays too far away. I'm no longer interested in it. Yeah, I think that people from the original trilogy came to it expecting something different, certainly. Um, Which added to the backlash to the prequels. Um, But yeah, I mean, at at baseline, they're just not good movies. The third one is good. Revenge of the Sith is good. I I like that movie, and we'll we'll talk about that probably on our next episode. But, you know, just compare – you're comparing like – the first Star Wars movies is one of the most iconic movies of all time. Um, a great movie. Um, Empire Strikes Back is like one of the best movies ever made, period. So you're comparing that to the prequels, which are just like not very well made, and the dialogue is just horrible. So I don't know. It's just, it's it's tough. Um, I guess I should, we we should we should ask each other. I guess so. Like, what is your favorite of the original trilogy like movies? Um, I love A New Hope. I would like. It might be one of my favorite movies, like, period. It's a tier one movie for sure. So I have to go with that one. And so The Empire Strikes Back is your favorite? It is, yeah. A New Hope is great, too. I like them both. Um, Return of the Jedi is is solid. I might need to rewatch that one. I wasn't as big on that one as the other two. But so I, I talked about earlier, like, you know, watching these old movies for the first time. And, like, that's one of the reasons why... I watched the original trilogy on Blu-ray, you know, 10 years ago, whenever I did that. So when you watch old movies, I did that too. And again, I said that as well. Like I watched, I watched the Godfather for the first time, the first two Godfather movies for the first time this year. Um, I watched movies like Chinatown network, die hard, like all these classic movies that I had never seen before. And when you go into I don't know. It's 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 hard to go into watching those types of like iconic classic movies for the first time. I watched Citizen Kane. I watched Casablanca. Right, like these movies that all you've been hurt, all you've been told your whole life is like this is one of the best movies ever made. This is one of the best movies ever made. So like when you approach those movies, it's kind of hard, I think, because it's like it's hard for you to make up your own mind about it because you've been told what you should think about it already. Um, but watching the empire strikes back, I remember like, that was one of the first movies I ever saw where I was like, it's as good as people say it is. Like, I get why people say it's like, this is one of the best movies ever because it is like, I remember watching it. And after I was done, I was like, I get it. Like, I understand that now. Um, it's just, it's incredibly made incredibly like directed, um, not directed by George Lucas. So maybe that's why it's so incredibly directed. (laughs) No shots to George. Um, but yeah, like it's and it's the standard. It's the standard by which all other sequels are like judged now. There's so many like film references to you know a sequel that's like, well, this is our this is our version of the Empire Strikes Back. Like this is the darker, more weighty, more adult um, movie in the trilogy. This is the the trilo- This is the movie that like elevates the entire series, and like that's it. Really starts with the Empire Strikes Back, and it's just. Um, it's an amazing movie. That, that yeah, that one's definitely my favorite. What are your thoughts on that movie? I I like that movie a lot. I enjoy it, and it's one like you said about um, <laughs> the Return of the Jedi. Like I like it, but I am not as excited watching it as I am for A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think both of those movies are like super engaging they're all really engaging and really good like i don't this is not to be like oh return of the jedi it's awful because i would never right. say that um i would only say that about the rise of skywalker <laughs> um, facts it just is man not good so i think that the empire strikes back it's it's great because it it picks up where a new hope ends in a really good way like you don't feel like they're spending too much time rehashing what's already happened. And you see a lot of growth happening across and it's a fast story. Like it's pretty fast paced and all these things are happening and it ends where you're like, Oh, like what's going to happen. And it sets up 
Return of the Jedi really well. Like it, it balances all of those things really nicely where I think a lot of like sequels or if like, you know, something is going to be a trilogy. The, the second one kind of like almost serves as a, a placeholder where it's like, okay, this is how we're getting from like this really great start to this really epic ending. And it's just kind of like lukewarm. You're like, well, you just like wasted my time. You could have made this like better or just made two movies, just made that really epic beginning and that really epic end. But um, the empire strikes back, like to your point kind of elevates it and like maintains in a way that a lot of sequels do not. I think that what is, what's smart that it does is just like, it's a, it's the heroes on the run aspect of it where everyone's there, you know, the first star Wars movie ends on like triumph, right? Like they blew up the death star. Everyone's getting medals. There's cheering. Like it's all good. And you kind of go from that plunging into, you know, them being chased all the time. And then like the, the rebels are just like on their heels the entire movie. And they got to fix the hyperspace drive and the millennium, millennium Falcon, the whole movie. And they're just like, you know, it ends with, like you said, like Han is in carbonate, carbonite and Luke is like, the you know, Luke's arc in the movie is so, so much darker where he's, you know, again, you think that he's victorious in the, in the, at the end of a new hope, which he is. But then it's like, okay, you actually need to learn shit now. And um, his training under Yoda and he's just, he's pushed to his like physical and mental limits. And um, yeah, it's just a, a much more sophisticated movie. And a new hope is great though. Like that's, it's also like a new hope, like building the entire world is so impressive. And I think that um, empire just kind of like expands on it even further. And like, um, it becomes a pop culture phenomenon in itself. I do want to say though, so it has it ends with a big twist, right? It ends with the the big reveal of Darth Vader. Um and I think that I think that movies kind of learn the wrong lesson from that. Because that was such a that was such a, you know, I imagine obviously the movie came out, that one came out nine years before I was born, in nineteen eighty. Um but that was such a a shock, right? Such a shock twist ending, such a shock reveal. But like, that's another thing that pe- that movies are trying to chase now, especially like sci-fi. You know, you know, nerd culture movies are trying to like chase that, and that happens in the in the in the Rise of Skywalker. I think like for the the parentage reveal, just to do it where it doesn't make sense. Like that 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 reveal, the purpose of that reveal in that movie. Like that, that shakes Luke's worldview, right? Like he's been fighting against this person who is like evil incarnate, right? Like he's holding these two things together in his mind that appear to be separate, but they end up being intertwined. The two things being one, he doesn't know who his father is, but his father, he was told was a great Jedi and he wants to be like his father. He wants to like follow that example. And then the other truth is that, you know, Darth Vader is evil. He's a war criminal he must be stopped, right? Those two things are separate in his mind, but then the end of the movie is revealed that they're actually combined. And like that shifts his worldview, like that, that shakes him to his core. And, you know, that's a, that's the lesson from that is like, okay, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with your reality when like your reality is shattered basically? And from a storytelling perspective, like that's really the, 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 the purpose that it serves but the lesson learned from that is just like okay well how can we make how can we make the biggest reveal twist where this person is this person's father or mother or grandfather or whatever and it's like well that's not the point of it it wasn't the point of it wasn't like oh my gosh this is his father it's just like oh my gosh like my my the way that i view what i thought was true is like completely completely wrong i guess or completely changed if that does that make sense at all it does and it it's a twist that makes sense it like as you were saying like did was it kind of the wrong lesson in comparing it to the rise of skywalker and that twist not 
making sense. Um, and also it being the twist at the end of a movie where they, you can't see a character unpack it and like deal with their worldview being shaken. And there's no like past information that would lead you to believe that like Ray, like knows like the full extent to like why this is bad. Like I'm sure she understands, but it, right. it just like Luke engages with Darth Vader throughout like throughout the different throughout the movies like they do have a relationship where you have something to build on he like everything he knows is changed and then he has to like deal with it then like there was none of that in the rise of skywalker also there shouldn't have been because it shouldn't have been written like that agree completely agree 100 percent. like the parallel to me is like if they remade harry potter right now and then at the end of Harry Potter, it's like, actually, Voldemort is Harry's father. Ugh. It's like, no, like, that doesn't make sense. Like, from a, like, from a story writing perspective, like, that's not the point. Yeah. That's not the point of the story. Correct. It's not just to do a reveal for a reveal's sake. So I feel like that's just kind of what's happened. And I don't know. It's just real dumb. I'll, we'll talk a lot about how trash Rise of Skywalker is on another podcast. Trust, that's coming. It'll, it'll be a roast. It'll, like, there's nothing good to be said. Um, which feels like I feel sad about that where I'm like, man, I really wanted to like love this, but it was, I got drunk watching it. So if that tells you anything about that movie. Well, uh, good for you. Cause <laughs> I wish, I wish I had, cause it was real bad. I just did you see it in like a, so did you, did you not see it in theaters? No, I didn't. I, I don't even know. I probably wanted to go see it with like my roommate. And then I was like, I can't go. Whatever happened, whatever popped up. So then during, you know, we're in our houses for a year and a half. And I was like, oh, yeah, like this is on Disney Plus. I will use a friend's Disney Plus. I'll watch this movie. And I was like, oh, I'll have like a glass of wine because it was peak pandemic time. So every night it was like, let's have a glass of wine. That glass turned into the bottle. Cause I was like, what am I watching? Oh yeah. What is going on? Um, I was very disappointed. And I had friends who said like, you're going to be disappointed watching this movie. And I'm like, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And I'm like, mostly amazed that I avoided any spoilers mm-hmm. um, for like almost a year about this because this was just a mess. But was it red or was it white wine? It was red wine. There you go. That's so what I like to hear. It was like, I was feeling it. And I was like, I need to drink some water. I'm going to wake up with a terrible headache tomorrow. Yeah. And I yeah, probably well. did. But like, maybe it was because of the movie. Because I'm like, what is happening with this movie? Um, if you have any bad movie recommendations, send them my way and tell me to drink a bottle of wine. I'll send you like live Snapchats of it, of me being like, why am I watching this? How, why was this made? Oh, that's a bet. I'm in there. I'll will. Hmm. We should do that. I, that should be a yeah. series that we do. It is like <laughs> bad movies only. And I mean, there's another podcast. It's called "How Did This Get Made?" It's about like terrible movies. Like, why? How did they get made? How did they get funded? So, um, if you want to add that to your podcast uh, queue, I'm in there. How did it get made? How did this get made? That's good. I yeah. Like that. Yeah. So that it applies to Rise of Skywalker. It, we know how I, how it got made. Um, Disney has mad money, so yeah. I don't know. You'd think they have mad money to pay some good writers. It's tough because, like, you know, we we want. I don't know. This this goes again to chasing, but like this is like the, the franchise chasing yeah. itself. Yeah, it's like it's chasing its own legacy, which is tough. And we want you know people to, you know, this generation of of young people. God, that sounds so old. My bad, y'all. But the, <laughs> but the but the people who were like in elementary school or whatever in in, in twenty fifteen and our first, you know, this is theirs. This but this one belongs to them, and it's tough. Like I like Force Awakens. Force Awakens is basically like a remake of A New Hope, but it's cool. Yeah. I like it. I like the characters. I really love um, Last Jedi. Um, but then for it to end the way that it did on Rise of Skywalker, it's like ugh, this is tough. It like kind of pisses away the groundwork that um, Last Jedi like put out there. Like, yeah, it, it's very unfortunate. 
like, oh, there's so much potential here. Like, Last Jedi was not, like, great, but it had the potential to kind of, like, be that springboard, like, that The Empire Strikes Back was to, like, get into Return of the Jedi and, like, have a, a good ending to an epic story. And, no, fumbled the bag. Hate to see it. I want to get into your um, your George Lucas take. Because I oh feel like goodness. you have a George Lucas take on on here that is I want I want to hear it. Okay, so it's not it's not my take. I stole this from someone, and I thought it was so good because I was like, candidly, I was shitting on George Lucas because I'm like, man, if only he was a better writer. So then someone actually like put it into like words that are like appropriate to like say. And they were like, George Lucas is a visionary director trapped in the body of a sub mediocre screenwriter. And I was like, that spoke to my soul a little bit. Um, because it goes back to what we were talking about like earlier, where it's like he he had built this incredible world. He was just like, well, I'm going to tell this story and I'm going to like create this place and create these characters and like the drama of the Skywalker family. Like he creates this awesome story and then writes it and like the, like, the story is good. The story is great. Um, and then you listen to the dialogue that he writes and you're like, my God, this is not how people like talk to each other. Like, why'd you do this? Why? You could have asked for help. You can always ask for help. That's what a writer's room is for. It's true. I, you know, I look at the way that the first movie is directed and, you know, it's, I, to me, it's clearly his best directed movie of the of the series, um, you know, without question. But yeah, like he's just so like I think about that, and then I think about a movie like um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where which he like produced or and and like helped write or something like that. But like he he was instrumental in making the movie and like creating the concept and stuff. But then it's like let Spielberg direct it though, like let him. Like, give it off to someone who's, like, a master director. And, like, he does that with Empire, right? Empire is directed by Irvin Kirshner. It's just, like, you got to put it in more capable hands to actually execute it. Like, he can – he's elite at creating a vision. Yes. Right? Like, yes. create the vision, create the world, but then to actually get down to, like, the bare-bones movie-making aspect of it, maybe get someone else who's a little better. Maybe. That's just – I don't know. And you see what happens when he does that, right? Like you make two of the, you know, most iconic movies of all time, three of them. I mean, he directed the first Star Wars movie, but like Empire Strikes Back and then like Raiders of the Lost Ark. So two, I mean, two of of movies he did not direct, two of the most iconic of all time that he helped create and world build and like produce and, and, and helped write and like that aspect of it. So, you know, I don't know. Play to your strengths, George. That's what we're saying. Well, I mean, at this point, I don't think he cares. He could make a movie now and it could be just like hot trash and people would watch it um, because it has his name on it. Also, it's not like he would need to make it for the money. So he could be like, sure. yeah, I feel like doing like, you know, something really I, I want to do like a Tim Burton-esque. I want to see I want to try my hand at like making a Tim Burton movie or I would like to make a romantic comedy. I could do I could pull a Nora Ephron like, no, please, please, God, no. But he could do it, and it would make money, <laughs> and that's yeah. very scary. <laughs> I mean, that dude sold Star Wars for like four billion. Like he's he's good. He's just living on a ranch, vibing. Love Facts. it for him. You would never see me if I had that money. You would never see me ever. No, oh, absolutely not. I'd like get an island. Yeah, man, I don't even know what I would do with my time. I'd learn to do like. Some type of extra activity. Uh, did you watch Tenet? I did, yeah. You know when they're like on those boats that are like going really fast and you have like the three people on the sides of it? I learned how to like sail one of those boats. There you go. There you go. I do like that part. Minus, you know, I'm guessing you wouldn't try to kill your husband. Um, if sorry, he was not that. nice to me, I would. Well, I mean, you know, you know, in that in, in normal circumstances. In normal circumstances, no. I actually think that... I just want to, it'd be dope to have a lot of money, not billions. Billionaires are immoral, in my opinion. But I would like to have enough money to, for you to not see me. That'd be pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that'd be, 
that's how you know you made it where you're like i can hide from society i can like quietly donate money to like make a lot of the bad things stop happening but also i can live on a beach and drink Lacroix and not be bothered by people i think that's goals george lucas achieved and george it george is doing that yeah 20 times over facts he said <laughs> um do you have any closing thoughts on star wars the original trilogy Just shout out to it. We, you know, we barely scratched the surface of it, but that's like, you know, to do a podcast, you could do a series on the, you could do a series on the original trilogy. Um, But it's just, you know, it's, it's really interesting to think about in this culture where everything, every movie, every, you know, intellectual property thing is trying to create a world that can be movies and TV shows. And like, you know, Star Wars is really, you know, the blueprint really set the standard for, what we're in today for good and bad. Um, I would argue that its legacy in that regard has mostly been good, mm-hmm. um, especially with a show like Mando and, yeah. you know, the, what the MCU is doing. Um, but yeah, just it's, it's, it set the standard in, in a lot of ways, just incredible stuff. I agree with you. And on that note, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you again and we'll be talking about the prequels. So there will be shade. There will be lots of it. Thanks, everyone.